Marketing restaurants is easier than you think. Don't believe me? Check out my interview today with marketing wizard Rev Sancio, who has literally helped hundreds of restaurants get their efforts back on track. You will quickly realize why I love this guy so much, and I think you're going to get a ton of value out of this conversation. Are you ready to level up when it comes to marketing your restaurant? Stick around. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the hospitality industry. We cover everything from marketing operations and everything in between. Each week, I leverage my 20 plus years in the industry to help you build a more profitable and a more sustainable business. I also work directly with operators all over the world through my group coaching programs to address and overcome the specific challenges we face in our industry. Curious to learn more? Set up a free 30-minute strategy session at restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Let me show you how simple it can be to run a profitable restaurant. Again, restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, you will find that link in the show notes. Now, Thousands of restaurants across the country use Kickfin to send instant cashless tip payouts directly to their employees' bank accounts the second their shift ends. It's a really simple solution to a really big problem because let's face it, paying out cash tips to your workers day after day, shift after shift is kind of a nightmare. Tedious tip distribution takes managers away from work that matters. It's hard to track payments, which leads to accounting and compliance headaches. Plus, cash tip outs create the perfect opportunity for theft. And there's never enough cash on hand to pay out those tips, so managers are constantly making bank runs. Bottom line, there's never been a secure, efficient way to tip out until now. Meet Kickfin. Kickfin is an easy-to-use software that that sends real-time cashless tip payouts straight to your employees' bank accounts 24-7, 365. Tipping out with Kickfin gives managers and operators hours back in their day. It makes reporting a breeze and protects your business from mistakes and theft. And guess what? Employees love it, so it is one of the best recruiting tools out there. Best of all, restaurants can have Kickfin up and running overnight. Employees can enroll in seconds, no hardware, no contracts, no setup fees. Get in touch today for a personalized demo and see how restaurants and bars across the country are tipping out with Kickfin. Visit kickfin.com slash demo. As always, that link is also in the show notes. Now. My guest on today's show is Rev Ciancio. He is the head of revenue marketing for Branded Ventures and the co-founder and CMO of Handcraft Burgers and Brew, a quick service burger joint here in New York City. He is a marketer, a consultant, and an operator with a ton of insight to share. Rev, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chip. I'm super excited. Thank you for making the time. For sure. We've uh, we've crossed paths, uh, I don't know, half a dozen different times over the last year or two. Uh, and I'm glad that we can finally have the opportunity to do this. Um, you're all about marketing, um, specifically marketing restaurants. Tell me, uh, walk us back, a little context for the uh, for the audience. What got you started? When did you get started in restaurants? And then how did you come to market restaurants? Sure. So, I mean, I've always loved eating out. So that that dates back to, you know, being a, a you know, somebody, you know, like somebody who was knee high. So I've always been a fan of restaurants and I always, always love restaurant culture. Uh, but in the early part of my career, I ran an agency uh, where we helped record labels and bands to basically get bigger, like to sell more records and to build their career. And uh, at the time, I started a hamburger blog <laughs> just for like a laugh. Like I just wanted a creative outlet to like have somewhere to like take pictures and write. And so I would review hamburgers on the burger blog and uh, the burger blog blew up. I became one of the top three burger blogs in the world. I ended up on like 17 different reality shows, like, you know, totally unintended. Like I was doing a music marketer and a couple of restaurants who I really, really liked started reaching out to me and saying like, hey, could you help us with your mark our marketing? I was like, I guess, like, you know, who, you know, Twitter could be for anybody, you know what I mean? And so like, I picked up a couple of restaurant clients as like kind of a laugh. And then one day I decided I hate musicians and I wanted to leave the music <laughs> business. Um, 
And at the time, I'd also bought a bar. So I owned a bar in the East Village. I was running an agency. I decided to shut down the music agency and sort of like build up the restaurant agency. Uh, and that was kind of the turning point where I was like, man, I really, really like like I don't just like like eating at restaurants. I like helping restaurants grow. And like I said, it's how I owned a bar. So, you know, that bar, uh, we laughingly, you know, here it is 2023. I'm actually still in debt from that bar. I still, we still owe money. We like, we failed miserably. Uh, and so like, I learned all of the lessons, but when we shut that bar down and we sold it, like other bar and restaurant owners started calling me and saying like, hey, like what happened? Like, you know, you had thousands of followers on Facebook and this is like 2016 and they were like you know you had 15,000 people on your email list and you had a 4.8 rating on Yelp like you guys were you know the top of every list like what happened well we had a bad partnership but what I walked away from that one is realizing like I had a skill set that a lot of independent restaurant owners didn't have which was I knew how to do marketing and I knew how to build a brand and I knew like how to build a database like I knew all the things you had to do to make a restaurant successful. And that was the point at which like I got fully dedicated to helping restaurants with marketing. So I love that. So then let's talk about it. Cause on the surface, uh, I'm going to make a joke and it's a, it's a bad joke, but like, like restaurant marketing is so bad that people had to go outside of the industry to somebody in music and say, Hey, can you market for the restaurants? And I think that's, um, I think that's really illustrative of what's going on in our industry, and that was years and years ago, and, and I still feel like it hasn't really gotten any better. That, that's my take on it. I think we're trying. Um, I think we're getting there. Um, but the fact that somebody that, that these people didn't have anything within their industry, within the restaurants, and they saw you doing something over there, um, you're obviously very good at it, and I, and I know you, and I know, and I know what you do and what you've done, so... Um, that's why it's a bad joke because you're you're actually worth all of it. But I just think it's it's funny when you look at an industry we say, well, there's nobody here doing this in our industry. So let me look across the block and see who, who can help us. Talk to me about the common threads between music and restaurants. Why did that skill set translate so easily, or or did it not trans translate easily? Was there was there something else that you had to bring to the table? Uh, well, well, let's start with a joke since we're already on that foot. Um, so I'm still friends with a lot of my friends in the music business, right? And we'll get together every once in a while and they'll ask me like, what's it like? How is it? You know, like they want to know the difference. And I tell them, well, you know, it's funny. Chefs and musicians are very similar. <laughs> the people who are, who are artistic driven are driven by art. They're not necessarily driven by business. So there's actually a lot of similarities. Uh, the biggest unsimilarity, I don't know if that's a word, is that you can't download a cheeseburger. Uh, and yep. if you really, really happen to like the cheeseburger, you might go buy it again, unlike an album. So, you know, there, there are similarities and there are dissimilarities. But, you know, for me, the initial part was like, well, if you think about uh, channel marketing, like how do I use email? How do I use social? How do I use SMS? Like what are the channels you could use to, mm -hmm. you know, acquire or retain a guest? They're not that different than the music business. Like I can get somebody to hear my song. I need you to buy the album. Then I want you to buy a ticket. Like, then I want you to buy merchandise. Like it's really not that different. Like I need you to come for the first meal. I need you to return. I want you to bring your family. I want you to come and have your birthday here. Like, so, but it's let not me that pause different. There. You know let I mean? me pause there and push back a little bit because what you're talking about is different products. I can sell you the album. That's one product. I can sell you merchandise. I can sell you a t-shirt. That's a different product. I can sell you a live event, a concert. That's another product. That's something that I think restaurants uh, up until the last two or three years have sort of struggled with because we just have one experience, one product to sell them. So that's different than channels. Channels are what are all the ways that I can reach out, attract, retain, all of that. So email, uh, you know, email advertising, SMS, all of that. What you're talking about is a, is a, is a little bit is a little bit different. So go back and really talk to me about the channels that you used in marketing musicians and how they translate it to marketing restaurants or are there was there a host of new channels that were available to you on, on the restaurant side sure well i mean look just because i name like five different products for a musician doesn't mean a restaurant can't look at lunch versus dinner as different products sure. you know what i mean sure. or, or having your birthday with me versus eating on your way to work like, like to me those are those could be different products but yep. uh, that wasn't the question you asked um you know i look at it this way like you know, with a musician, the, you know, let me tell you a story. So there was this interesting moment. 
I remember must have been like 2000, I don't know, five or six ish, right? Where I was working with a bunch of bands who had like blown up in the underground and they were getting major label deals and we were starting to get commercial radio. Like the this, the dream story was happening, right? But it was also at the time where like major labels were falling to pieces because they couldn't figure out how to deal with streaming and MySpace and all this other stuff that like now they've kind of figured out, right? But at the time, like the budgets were going from this to this. And, yeah. you know, I was like, hey, you know, one of the bands I was working with, like they had this huge record and the follow up record didn't do so well right and i was like you know typically we would have been reliant on like the publicist to get us on the cover of this magazine or we would have been reliant on getting a video on mtv or like all this other stuff whereas like we can use twitter and myspace and email to like build your own audience like this is a this is like a magic moment in the music business yeah where like i don't have to re rely on other humans to get me connected to a source where your eyeballs already are i can just like own the conversation and so at that time i was pushing my bands like we got to build our email database we got to like be active again I keep, I keep talking about twitter myspace like this is a while ago with facebook was just starting to happen but i was like we can own the conversation we don't need to be reliant on the record label or the publicist or the media to help us push the message out and you know i was pushing my bands to really like build an audience you know, and I think from a restaurant perspective, we kind of woke up to this during COVID that like, we got to have somebody's email address. Yep. You know, we got to be able to email people and we need to be able to use Instagram as like a communications channel, a two-way channel, not just a broadcast, Yep. you know? And so I, you know, I think what's, what happened from a marketing perspective for restaurants in the last three years happened to the music business about 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I've, uh, you know, from my uh, from my seat in the restaurant industry, I can't help but see all of the other industries around us. Uh, I gave this talk in Vegas last year, and it was this was a key point to the the opening of the talk, which was um, look at what has happened to so many different industries that are that are wildly different than they were just ten years ago, right? So you talk about the music industry; it's wildly different. Publishing is wildly different. TV. Uh, look at what's happening in uh, in movies, right? Now, you know, streaming for the first time ever, uh, movies are getting released in one spot, you know, in the theaters and then also in streaming or just in streaming, you know, whereas direct to video back in the 80s and 90s was like a was a curse. But now really great movies are just bypassing the theaters. You look at travel, we look at hotels and you look at all these other industries that have um reinvented themselves out of necessity um, and i think the restaurant uh, industry keeps pushing back against that reinvention um to our to our own detriment because i think we can be really great i think a lot of people rely on us i think what we do other people couldn't do i think what we do is pretty special um, obviously i believe that obviously you believe that um, i just want us to reinvent uh, it's so much of what i end up talking about because there's something better on the other side when we can just break the glass and then just say, okay, well, it's all broken now. What do we do? How do we put it back together? Do you feel like, I mean, what you do, marketing, and I want to get into the the nuts and bolts of actually what you do, but but I got to believe on some level you believe much of what I just said. 100%. 100%. I mean, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, and I, I granted we're recording this in early January, so I don't know when people are going to hear it, but AMC announced last night that you can now live stream in a movie theater. So that means that like release schedule doesn't really mean anything. Like if you want to go to AMC tomorrow and watch a movie from the 1940s in a theater experience, like, okay, they can stream it now. Like, yep. and if, you know, they pulled the new, you know, Ant-Man movie out because, and you were busy that week, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just a space. It's a yep. streaming space now. Like that's a insane shift in that business model you know what it's i mean it's huge but now content is at our fingertips i mean we are content creators right you've got you talked about blogs and podcasts and websites and the content we put out on TikTok and instagram and facebook it's the content uh it's the creator economy there's you know content is available everywhere you can stream just about any movie you want it's pirated and exists out there somewhere uh, it's better if you pay for it you should pay for it a lot of really uh, really great artists went to work on that um but you can get anything um I, I end up uh, spending a great deal of my time saying okay when you can get anything then when do, at what point does something matter how do we how do we create something that's not 
everything, right? It's that it's the difference of that like commodity mindset, right? When we can get, I mean, you know, this, you know, the streaming version is the the what streaming is uh, what streaming is for a restaurant business, right? Like, what is what the is streaming it? equivalent for the restaurant business? Yeah, what is it? It's delivery. Yeah, it's I, I want the restaurant experience in my house. Okay, yep. well, our our the restaurant version of streaming is bring it to me. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I had Carl Orsborn and uh, Meredith Sandlin on this show a while back. They wrote an incredible book called Delivering the Digital Restaurant. Uh, and they make a really compelling case for the fact that we are at the tip of the iceberg. We have not even begun as big as delivery in, uh, has become over the last three years since the pandemic. Um, we, we're just scratching the surface when you certainly look at other markets, uh, specifically in Asia, um, how it's a huge part, 30 or 40% here, it's like two and a half percent of the uh, the number the amount of revenue that is generated through food service, let's say, like that's huge. When you think of not only doubling it but ten xing where we're at right now, and when we talk about delivery, right? For me, my biggest problem is the operational uh, uh, struggles with it, which is that it's not very good. It comes lukewarm. It comes uh, mealy. It comes. It doesn't have the crisp, right? The, the the cheese doesn't have the consistency it's supposed to have. The you know the fried chicken doesn't have the consistency it's supposed to have. The pancakes, the waffles, whatever it is you're ordering, is substandard to what you would have gotten in the restaurant. And somebody is going to solve that um, very very soon to figure out how to make a, a better takeout and delivery experience. And then it's going to explode. It's the reason why I will not order hot wings delivery because they just don't live up. Yeah, they don't. Okay, so talk to me about when we talk about marketing restaurants, you come in with a new client and where where do you start? I mean, walk me through how a restaurant or how you talk to a restaurant about beginning to think about their marketing. Uh, without being like too enterprisey, Right. Because I mean, I assume most of our audience here is like independent or growing multi-unit brands. Like there's nothing more important. Like the North Star in marketing for restaurants is thinking about the customer journey. Right. And I always I equate it like this way. Like, all right, you know, we're buddies. Chip, I trust you. If you said, dude, you got to check out this Mexican spot in, you know, Wallington, New Jersey. I have no idea why I just picked Wallington, New Jersey, but you're like, Grab, go check out this taco spot. And I'd be like, OK, I trust you. Right. I trust you. 10 other people tell me to go eat somewhere. I'm going to listen to you first. I'm still going to go on to Google and search the place. I'm still going to look at your hours of operation. I still might make a reservation. Like something else happens online. And then I might go to Yelp and see what people are saying. And then I'm going to go to Instagram and look at what photos are there. Right. Or I might go to Facebook. I might see if you're on TikTok. And if I like it, then I'm going to use a reservation service like Resi or OpenTable or, you know, and name and you know, name any of them. Right. And then once I do that, I'm going to like send the link to my wife and be like, hey, we're going to go in here on Friday. And then I'm going to put it in my Google calendar. And like by the, you know, I can keep going here with the example. But by the time I actually get to the restaurant to have my first bite of food i've digitally touched your brand like 20 times right i had to get directions in ways like the, the and i had to use your information to get there but like most restaurants don't think about all the things that happen before the meal right yep. and then i come in and i eat i come in and i eat Right. And then hopefully, like, I have the ability to pay at the table because I don't like talking to people and I don't want to wait. And you've collected my email address and you're going to follow up with me and you're going to ask for a review. And then you're going to reply to the review. What? Right. Everybody replies to all the reviews. And like now for one meal, for me to have one taco, I had 25 interactions with your brand and 24 of them were digital. Right. And yeah. I, I, I've mapped this a hundred times. And then what's even more important is you got to think about, again, customer journey marketing is like, get me back. Well, if you didn't get my email address or you didn't get my phone number, how do you control getting me back? And so, you know, I think restaurants have to think about full customer journey marketing. And, you know, honestly, even the chains are bad at this, you know. How many people walk into a McDonald's per day that is, you know, is what we call an unknown, meaning they walked in, they walked up to a register, they ordered a Big Mac and they split like you don't have their name, you don't have their phone number, you don't have their email address, you don't have anything. So it's not like, you know, if you're an independent operator and you're like, oh, that sounds hard and I'm bad at it. So are the big boys. Like yep. it isn't easy. It's 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 hard. But that's what you have to solve for. If you don't have my contact info, it's hard for you to get me back. 
It's amazing, right? So I went out to dinner last night um, in our town. Uh, the water main bro uh, broke, and that was at like 6, 6.15 at night. And we were like, oh, how are we going to cook dinner like with no water? We can't wash the, you know, wash the green beans. We can't make, you know. And we were like, all right, let's just let's just go. Uh, let's get in the car. And we went over. And so we went impromptu meal. We just sort of drove to a place where uh, new, uh, we're New Jersey residents, uh, newly uh, moved out here in the last uh, few months. <laughs> and so we, the honestly, we went to a place that we had driven past before and we just kept going, hey, that looks cool. We should go there. So I'm always thinking about like, hey, why did I make the decision I made? Here's the really interesting thing. To your point, uh, we had a great meal. Uh, the food the food was really good. It was like a quiet Wednesday night. It was sort of late by the time we got our stuff together and got over there. Um, through that, that entire time, we had great interaction with the server, great interaction with the host, with the manager. Manager went above and beyond. I was asking for a recommendation for a beer. They had 40 different beers on tap. I said, pick something that you can guarantee I've never had before. Right? And the guy says, great. I know exactly what to get you. He came and brought me three tastes. He said, here are three tastes, you know, tastes of things that I know you've never had before. I said, great. This is exactly what I I want. I picked the, all of that, and at no point, right? We talk about being on a, you know, having a, a you meet somebody at a bar, right? At a certain point, you buy him a drink. At a certain point, you just say, "Hey, can I get your number? I'd love to do this again sometime," right? And they didn't do that. They never once did that. And this is sort of a multi-unit, right? They've got uh, same concept, but they've got three different outposts, right? It, it's a big infrastructure. The place looks beautiful. Like you could tell, there's money. And that nobody stopped to tell them, like, hey, listen, when you did all that hard work, at the end of it, just be like, hey, man, can I get your number? It seems like you're having a good time. Like, we'd love to do this again sometime, right? And it's like, it, it's such an easy step. Why, why do so many concepts fail at that? Um, it's, it's not ingrained in who we are as a business. It's not ingrained in our culture, right? And most people who are inside the restaurant are operationally driven. They're not marketing driven, right? You know, this is why I talk about this all the time. I think we need to be marketationally driven. Like marketing and operations needs to be a team. That needs to be that needs to be a handshake. You know what I mean? And I also I like agree. to joke all the time that marketing likes to write checks that operations has to cash. But sure. uh, I think that marketing operations need to be a team. And uh, listen, I will a hundred times out of a hundred use my own restaurant as an example. You know, we're a quick service burger restaurant in in Bryant Park. Chip ninety nine percent of our transactions are digital. Ninety nine percent. One out of 100 people is an unknown. We know everybody. And I have ways to capture their email address in store, even if they weren't the person that purchased. So like if you brought your, you know, three of your friends to eat a handcraft burgers and brew and you paid. So like I didn't get their email because they didn't order. Yep. I'll get their email. Yep. We got Wi-Fi set up. We got table stuff. Like we'll get it. We, everybody gets a feedback card for comments. Like we'll get it. Yeah, so talk to me about some of those examples, because I, I agree. I talk to my clients all the time about this, and I know you're, you're maniacal about, about doing this. So somebody pays, obviously you get the, the credit card capture, you get the email capture, right? The, so that's what you're talking about. Three other people at their table. You've got feedback things, right? Scan this, give us your feedback, and you incentivize that in some way, right? Wi-Fi, hey, do you want our free Wi-Fi? You just got to log in and put your yep. email address in. It's a, it's a, it's a capture tool, right? Yeah, I'm not sure if we're actually a hamburger restaurant or a mouse trap for getting customer data. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there, there are traps set up everywhere. So, like, so, you know, so, again, yeah, so talk to me about restaurant. some more so of those. Yeah, talk to me about some more of those traps. Yeah, so I mean, look, I'll give you what we do, and then I'll take that out outside of quick service. So, like, you know, as a human, like, I hate walking into a, a, a cash register like business. Like, I'll use McDonald's as an example, and like standing in line behind six other people who are doing this. Um, should I get the uh, like? I hate that as a consumer. So mm -hmm. I wanted to remove that. Okay, we don't have any cash registers. We have zero. There's one hidden because you can't be cashless in New York City. So if somebody demands to pay with their wallet, we have to serve them. But instead, I have kiosks, right? And so you walk in, and again, it's a quick service restaurant. We have a host, like it's a full service restaurant. Hey, my name is Melanie. Welcome to Handcraft Burgers and Brew. By the way, the easiest way to order is, you know, take out your phone. You can grab a seat and be cut comfortable. Here's a QR code. Place it online at your own speed. We have free Wi-Fi. Like she pushes you to your phone or any of our hosts, hosts do. And if you're like, ah, uh, you know, can I just use one of the kiosks? They'll walk you over to the kiosk, tap here to get started, click this thing, blah, blah, blah. And now 
they can order at their own speed. I can have eight or nine people ordering at the same time because they could be on the phone, they could be at the kiosk. My team now does not have to stand there and be like, punch in orders. Mm -hmm. They can actually bring the food out, walk around, clean the floor, ask you if you want another drink. And so we operate the dining room like a full service but the ordering is quick serve, okay? Yep. So A, I've, allowed, I've, I've, I've made it a little bit easier on our labor pool, right? Because they don't have to be there just doing this. Yep, you know, yep. Keying in an order. They can actually serve the customer. Everybody that orders from the kiosk or orders online, we get their email address and phone number, right? If we don't happen to get that, remember I said we point out that we have free Wi-Fi to everybody? Mm-hmm. The Wi-Fi is gated. We'll get your email address there and it's all opt-in. You don't have, you can use your email and all that stuff. Be like, don't talk to me, Rev. Okay, opt out, it's fine. You know what I mean? Yep. So we'll capture your email in all those ways. Okay, so now you're sitting down, you're eating the burger, eating the chicken sandwich, you're having the loaded tater tots, whatever. At the end of the meal, whoever placed an order is gonna get a text message asking for feedback. How was it? Let us know. And they answer two questions. We use Ovation for that. You know, we use Viva Spot for the Wi-Fi. Toast is our kiosk. B-Bot's our online ordering. And then also, we'll also give a card to every single person at the table that's like, hey, give us your feedback. That mm-hmm. is a QR code. It goes to Ovation. They get asked the same questions that everybody else get answered. We can capture their email address that way. That same tool, Ovation. So if you give us, if you say, hey, I had a five-star experience, we'll then push you to Google or Yelp. So we get a ton of five-star reviews on Google or Yelp. That helps our search ranking, right? Again, full customer journey marketing. Yep. All of those, no matter what you do, we'll then ask you if you want to join our loyalty program. My server will come to your table and be like, you know, you guys can get like 10 points for this right now. And, you, you know, upon signing up for loyalty, you get um, you get a free order of fries. We use SpendGo for that. All of it backs up into my CRM. We use MailChimp and Bakey. Like for with a couple of tools for a couple hundred bucks a month, like I get all of your information. And then yep. I track what my retention looks like. What's the frequency that people return? How much money do I make from sending an email? And you know, I could you could be like, dude, this dude really knows what he's doing. Like, this stuff is easy, man. It's easy. And if you're a full service restaurant and you're like, well, we don't want to have kiosks and we don't want to have online ordering. Like, I get it. I totally get it. When I'm going out for a steak, I also want somebody to come to the table in a shirt and a tie and ask me what I want, you know, pour Mm -hmm. my wine for me. But I'm not opposed to pay at table. I'm not opposed to order a table. Like, dude, I don't care if I'm paying $150 a head. If my glass is empty, I want it full. Allow me to order at the table. Allow me to go, hey, bring me service. I, I could not agree or, more. And allow yeah. me at the end of the meal, like, oh my God, we went to a restaurant. This is so funny. So I took the family, we went to the Polar Express. You done the you guys done the Polar Express yet? No. It's it's such a fun experience. If you if uh, you have kids, but like if nobody's ever actually lived the Polar Express, it's amazing. Anyway, we went to Polar Express, but the thing is, that it's a train. So if you the train leaves at a certain time, you miss the train. You you miss the whole thing. Well, me, the wife, the kid, our friends, to their uh, friend, to their kids, we all went out to dinner at a restaurant. And the restaurant, I walked in the door. We're all wearing our matching pajamas. It was very silly. And they were like, hey, welcome. What are you guys doing? It was like, well, we're stopping here on the way to Polar Express. We have to be out of here by 645 or we will miss the train. So we're going to order everything at once. Like we told this to the server. Like we're going to be fast and we need you to be fast. They're like, no problem. They Like they brought out pizza boxes with the food. They're like, don't even delay. Just box up the pizza when you're ready to go. And then, of course, guess what happens? It's time to pay the check. I can't yep. find anybody. Yep. I was like, are you kidding me? This is where you failed. If they had pay at table, we would have just banged the code. We would have paid it. We would have tipped 25%, walked out the door. And instead, I literally had to get up and like walk over to the kitchen and be yeah. like, where's my server? Did you know Don't for something like 45 years, <laughs> one of the big consulting firms has done the same the same survey, and for 45, it's something like 45 years, 47 years straight, the two biggest complaints in the restaurant industry, it took too long, and I couldn't find my server, right? It took too long, and I couldn't find my server to complain about it, right? I couldn't find my server, which is why it took too long for me to order for me to get my check. 
The same two complaints, which is now 45 plus years running, well documented, you can Google it, you can look it up. They're the two biggest complaints. And of course, as I say that, it seems obvious. That's the complaint that everybody has. And yet now technology exists to solve not only those two, our two biggest problems, uh, but so many else, so much else when we talk about labor and we talk about you know everything else, uh, driving more revenue, keeping in touch with our people. Technology is the solution for that. It's the best yeah, time but, to be in so, business. Right. So that's literally so like so like a payer order table solution is the marriage of marketing and operations you've made it easier for your staff you've made a better customer experience and you've captured their email address like pop menu has reimagined the restaurant they're breaking the mold of the menu taking the kitchen doors off the hinges and serving up their most comprehensive technology solution yet it's called pop menu max it comes with the previous ingredients you've heard me mention on the podcast websites designed with seo marketing tools to keep you top of mind with guests and of course that patented interactive menu technology well, this new recipe brings automated phone answering, third-party online order aggregation, waitlisting, and more to the table. PopMenu's phone answering technology has your ringing phones covered. With artificial intelligence, the simple questions that keep your phone line tied up can now be handled without pulling a staff member from your in-person hospitality. No more missed reservations, asking for your hours, or missed revenue, and that is just the beginning. You have a passion for food. Pop Menu has a passion for technology. Together, it's a recipe for restaurant success. Now, even more digital ingredients are in their technology pantry, and Pop Menu is helping restaurants attract, engage, remarket, and transact with their guests on a whole new level. Trust me, if you're a restaurant owner, you need Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim this offer. Again, that's $100 off your first month by visiting popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy. So then talk to me about how, how you handle data. So... Again, you've done, and I love that you're talking about customer journey. I spend a great deal of time thinking about customer journey, what we do before and after a meal, right? Because we get the steps of service right. And a lot of restaurants think operationally, they think of those steps of service, and they don't apply that same thinking sure. to the rest of the journey, which is all it is. It's just understanding how does somebody get from the beginning to when they get to us and what happens after they leave us. Talk to me about how you utilize all of that or some ways that you utilize all of that data because now you've got all these mousetraps all over the restaurant and you're capturing data specifically so that you can just get in touch with people later. So you can say, hey, it looked like you were having a good time. You wanna have a good time again, right? It's the same thing as when we get uh, somebody's number at the bar. So talk to me about the ways that you like to utilize email and uh, and phone numbers? Sure. Well, you know, I like a lot of really advanced marketing acrobatics. So what I might do might not be the best idea for everybody. Uh, I'll get into a little bit of that. But like, let's set the bar really low. If you're at a restaurant and you actually are somewhat decent at capturing email, like you're getting your guest emails, send a weekly newsletter. Like just set that as your bar low. Like send one email every Tuesday at 8.30 in the morning and be done with it. Like that's pretty good. That's better than a lot of other restaurants. If you can get to just that level, you will outperform your competitors. That's it. That's all it takes. Now, you want to get to like more my level. Here's some of the things I do. We look at something like, here, you know, I'll give me an easy one. So every single person that enters their email address into our database for the very first time, okay, and again, we use MailChimp, anybody can do this, is we have something called a welcome email flow, okay? Now, I'm sure some of your clients do this, but essentially, it's for us, it's eight, most restaurants, it's four or five, but it's a series of emails that happen every five or six days that tell you something cool and special and unique about our brand or the experience. Because what if your first experience with us is you just placed an online order? Like, you didn't get to come in and sit. You didn't get to meet the server. You didn't meet Melanie. You didn't see me. You didn't, like, you just got a burger delivered to your door. Like, how do I communicate to you that we are just every burger? That's what the welcome email flow is. And, you know, those emails are anything from like, hey, meet the founders to like, here's our most popular item to here's the charity we give to every month. But they're like all the cool things about the brand. And we just put it in your inbox. Awesome. Right. And so, and we, so we, we do that. We automate. 
Yeah, and so for anybody who's listening, this is also known as a drip sequence, a nurture sequence, a welcome sequence. It's a series of emails that are dripped out over a period of time, five days, seven days, 14 days, 21 days. So this is, and if you, again, if you're using a MailChimp or Constant Contact or any of those, uh, you just poke around, you hit enough tabs, and they'll show you. It's very, very easy to set these up. Uh, I love it. It is. So, you know, when we do that, then we also like, you know, advanced metric type of stuff. We look at like, what is the average time to lapse? So like in my restaurant, we've done, we've done the math a number of times and it's essentially 52 days. So at like 52 days, or sorry, it's 55 days. Like at 55 days, you officially become a lost customer if you've not returned. So we have lots of things that happen between day one and day 55 that try to get you to come back. But at day 52, we trigger something called a lapsed email flow. It's the same thing on the backside. It's okay. four or five emails that like, again, remind you, they're not just our regular like, hey, here's what's special this week. It's like things that we think are cool and unique and brand that are uh, on brand that are there to remind you like why you loved us in the first place. And that flow is four emails. And the fourth one is the only one that has a discount. So most people would put the discount. I uh, this is the one that make, makes me bananas. I sign up your, your email for the first time, and the first email you send me is a discount. I just had a great time. Like all you need to do is remind me how much I liked it. We're good enough. So yep. what we do in the welcome flow is emails one, two, and three don't have an offer. They just like remind you of why you liked us. And if you happen to make it to email four, we'll, we'll give you ten percent off or something like that. We'll do a bounce back. And that's sort of as a last ditch effort. Yeah, I mean, those are some advanced, you know, those aren't so, quite so advanced marketing metrics. Here's another one, you, you, you'll you'll dig on this. So again, we use Ovation for feedback. Anybody that gets the, hey, what did you feel? You know, how was the restaurant experience? Ovation automation. Anybody that participates, 24 hours later, we send them another two text questions, okay? The first one says, how did you find out about us? And then they get a list of options, Google, Yelp, Facebook, Instagram, email, friend, family member, we walk by, whatever, okay? And I actually don't care how they really found out about us. What I care about is how they think they found out about us, right? So like, let's say Chip tells Rev about the Mexican place, and then I go to Google and Yelp, and then I eat there three weeks later, and I get the text message thing, and I say, oh, I heard about it on Yelp. Right. I really actually heard about it from Chip, but I heard, but I said Yelp. Yep. To me, that validates my channel marketing. So I look at that once a week. Number one answer is Google, probably not a surprise. Number two answer is I walk by. We're across from Bryant Park, also not a surprise. But those answers validate to me our marketing channels, right? It tells me how important is it that we lean into Bryant Park marketing? Well, pretty important since one out of four people, that's how they find out about it. So I have to think about how do I market to people walking around Bryant Park? So that's how I use that data. Now, this is a fun one. The second question goes, uh, how did you like our loaded tater tots? Okay. When somebody orders loaded tater tots at Handcraft Burgers and Brew, our average order value, that's a metric I'm looking at, skyrockets. It's the most, it's the highest, it's the most expensive thing on our menu. And most people don't use it to replace a center of the plate. Like they don't get it instead of a burger, they add it on top. So my AOV shoots the roof whenever, any, any, whenever somebody orders loaded tater tots. So I asked them the question, how did you enjoy our loaded tater tots? I assume that they ate them and they could say they were awesome I, or I didn't get a chance to try them. Those are the only two choices they can answer. Now, Ovation buckets them. I can send a text out to everybody that said I didn't get a chance to try them and be like, did you get the loaded tater tots yet? So... And most people would say they haven't tried them. That's fine. But I'm also trying to precept the next purchase. Oh, we go back here. We got to try the loaded tater tots. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so those are some cool things that we do with data and technology that like helps us think about the customer journey. So when we're talking, and you've already given some really good tools, some good ways for people to get in. I find that a lot of uh, operators and owners just get really overwhelmed by marketing, which is why they don't do it. It's a, it's the story I tell um, quite a bit about why I got into restaurant marketing. I was like, oh, restaurants really don't do marketing very well, or they don't do it at all. And I think there's a real opportunity, and I became really interested in marketing. All of that is what drove me to go back to school and get my MBA, because I just I felt like there was a real opportunity there. What are some of the low-hanging fruits for some of the other ones of how people can get involved uh, to start really marketing their restaurant in ways that will make an impact on 
uh, on the bottom line. Sure. Well, you know, let's. I, I want to say this. Nobody should be ashamed if if they're bad at marketing. Like, you know, when a restaurant owner operator says to me, he's like, oh, I got to get better at Instagram. Like, no, if that's not your skill set, just hire somebody who's good at it. <laughs> like, yep. you know, my life motto is be awesome at two things and outsource everything else. I mean, you know, Chip, McDonald's has three agencies of record. McDonald's, like who has a bigger marketing budget than McDonald's? Nobody. And even they outsource their marketing. Like, don't be ashamed. Just instead of like going, oh, I got to get better at marketing. Like, how about get better at hiring somebody to do it for you? Okay. Now let's let's again go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Gonna but, say so when you so when you hire, the thing that it's an investment, and this is something that I always try to get across to people. Like, you don't have to know marketing, but you have to understand what you need the marketing to do. And this is that one hand, you know, helps the other. The the relationship between operations and marketing. I've been saying this a lot over this whole past year, um, which is that I think the part of the problem with restaurants and marketing is that they don't understand what they need the marketing to do. So they don't have clear operational goals. Like this is the sort of revenue we need to hit. This is how many first time diners we need to get in the door. These are our retention metrics now. So we need to increase these by a, uh, uh, you know, by a percentage of this much that if we understood some of those key metrics of how many covers we do, how much revenue we drive, uh, you know, the average, you know, per person, you know, the, the guest check average, the, again, how many first time diners do we get a, a week? How many, uh, how many repeat customers do we get? You know, second time diners do we get a week? If we understood those key metrics, then we could say to a marketing agency, hey, you guys are the pros, but this is what I need to improve. I need to improve the following things. How can, how can you help me achieve that? Sure, 100%. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. But you do need to know your customer. And if yep. you know, like, you know, if you're if you're a restaurant and you're just starting, like, okay, I'm gonna lean into marketing, I'm gonna hire an agency, or I'm gonna bring somebody in-house, or I'm gonna get a consultant, whatever, like you have to at least understand who is your ideal customer profile. I've heard you talk about this. You yep. you need to know who is your customer. You need to have a good idea of how they typically find you. You need to have a good idea of what they like to order and the frequency of what they order. I think most operators have somewhat realistic, at least hunches about that information. If you can communicate that over to the right agency or consultant, that's probably enough to get them started. You know what I mean? Yep. Which is, I spend so much time talking about that because for me, that is marketing, right? Like a lot of times we talk about marketing, we talk about all the stuff we do. But all the stuff we do doesn't matter unless we understand who we're doing it to and how we're trying to elicit a, a specific action. Um, it's why I spend so much time talking about that foundational piece, just like you said, understanding you know who's got a problem that needs to be solved. How does your product solve that uh, problem? Or how does your product, your, your, your experience solve that problem in a unique way, in a compelling way, in a way that doesn't already exist in the market? Um, which really speaks to product market fit, understanding why we need to exist, why the market needs us to exist. We don't spend enough time talking about that. So answer that, because I think we're coming close to the end of our time, but I think this is a good uh, conversation to sort of finish with. When you come into working with a new client, right? Invariably, they want you to do all the stuff, but when it's fuzzy, when they don't know the answers to those questions, how do you help them find the answers? How do you, how do you shore that up quickly? Man, that is a that is a challenging question. Uh, you know, I don't really I don't run into a lot of restaurants that are that clueless about it. Again, I think most people know more about it than they think they do. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a uh, I look at it this way. When I start working with a restaurant, I start by uh, you know I like to plug leaky buckets, right? So like rather rather than pour a bunch of money into new guest acquisition, like. What can we do with what we already have to make retention better? You know, oh, are there agree. ways that we can be capturing an email address? Like, like let's let's say, you know, let's say you have really robust online ordering. You are capturing people's email addresses. Well, what are you doing with them? Like, there's a hundred things we can do there. So I would rather work on making sure that like that retention funnel is is sort of plugged up before I started like pour gasoline on the acquisition side of the yep. funnel. You know what I mean? Like, because yep. I think it's the stat is like 80% of guests are one timers. Well, if you're capturing their email address, you should at least be able to increase it to like 1.2, you know? Yep. Like you should like just pure retent, like send out a weekly email, man. Like that, that fills a lot of buckets. You know what I mean?
Yeah. So that's I, I totally. usually where we start is like, okay, let's work with what you have. Let's figure this out. We'll get to advanced data, data analysis and, you know, marketing acrobatics later. Like, let's just send a weekly email, you know, let's start yep. there. So as we're, we're wrapping up our time here together, um, talk to me about what's coming down the pike, uh, sort of the future of marketing restaurants. Uh, what are you really excited about in the next, let's say, 12 to 24 months? I mean, you know, I'd be remiss not to mention like Web3. I really think that, you know, there's some poo-pooing of the Web3 technology out there these days. But like, you know, I don't know that like NFTs and crypto and the metaverse are the end-all be-all of Web3. Web3 is about great data. And, you know, if we've learned anything in the last three years with COVID is that like we should be leveraging our data. And again, if it's just a weekly email blast, like that's a good start. But I do think like better data is coming down the line for restaurants. I do think that's going to be powered by Web3. You know, and I do think like AI, machine learning, like all this stuff, like, you know, if you have a quick service restaurant and you haven't seen that like Panera, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Shake Shack, you know, all of these are moving towards a kiosk, like you're an idiot. That they have the money to figure this out, get a kiosk, right? And the next level of kiosks for independent restaurants will be smart kiosks. Oh, it's going to facially recognize Rev and be like, "Dude, this guy will order extra french fries if you just ask." Like that's yep. lean into the technology that's going to help you help the guest better. That the future to me is like tools, machines, information, AI, you know, relieving relieving um your staff from small duties, let the robots figure it out. You know what I mean? That's the I, that's that's an immediate and bigger future. I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time talking about the integration of hospitality and technology. Um, I make a lot of enemies online uh, when people disagree with me, um, but I totally, I totally believe it. I, it's funny because uh, the, the talk I gave, I think you heard me give that talk. Um, I used that McDonald's case study uh, pretty clearly, which the whole point of uh, introducing kiosks was to cut labor. And uh, the very uh, interesting counterintuitive uh, piece to the entire case study is, oh, guess what? They really didn't cut labor at all because what they did was they reallocated talent. They moved talent from doing very mechanical transactional duties like you know, hunting and pecking on a register, and they move them out into the room uh, to clean, to to help people with the kiosks, to make small talk, to you know, to do to do all of that, to do more human things than what we had them doing. You know, so McDonald's uh, didn't want to didn't want it to become transactional, you know, and just you know, cold like a cold interface. And what they failed to realize at the beginning of that journey when they when they introduced the kiosks is that their interactions were transactional and cold. The, the people at the register didn't have time to make small talk or make a joke or even pause because they had to get the order, get the payment, move on. Get the order, get the payment, move yeah, on. I mean, look, so, again, if you go look at my, the reviews for our restaurant, if you go look at Handcraft Burgers and Brew on Google and Yelp, you will see one out of three reviews is people talk about how great the service is. We don't take their order. Yep. They put their order on a screen, whether it's in front of them or in their hands. And the thing that people love the most is the service. Yep. I think we figured but it out. <laughs> I think there is. I mean, listen, it's it's music to my ears because I've, I've been saying this for on and on. Uh, taking the order is not service. It's one piece of service, but that's the one piece that can be outsourced to your point, right? Let's find two things that we can do really well. Hey, a computer's not going to be able to tell when somebody looks cold, when somebody looks like they need another drink, when somebody looks like they're missing something. But human beings can sense that in the dining room and say, hey, that guy it looks like that guy's missing something. Hey, it seems like that woman, uh, you know, isn't, isn't quite happy with her meal. That's when we can actually step in and be more human. Oh man, you listen, you, you you got some tech junkies that listen to this show. Go check out a company called BYOD, uh, Bring Your Own Device. They have basically said it's incredible. I can't wait for every restaurant to have this. They've basically turned the entire dining room into AI machine learning. So just through eyes in the sky, like some cameras and a link into your POS, they can basically call shots to somebody in the back of house. Hey, table two needs this. Hey, table four needs that. Hey, go to this, blah, blah, blah. Hey, it's about to rain. You're going to get hit with this. Oh, the Giants won tonight, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like an AI and machine learning driven dining room that just tells somebody what to do in real time. It's, un I, I can't, I can't <laughs> wait for there to be a restaurant in this area that has it because I'm going to go and see if I can outsmart the machines. I'm going to like look frumpy the whole time and see what happens. Yeah. I'm going to like pour my water <laughs> on the floor and see how quickly I get a new one. Like, I'm going to play that game. 
I, I love wait. it. Listen. I think it's so great. Uh, listen, Rev, we're coming to the end of our time. I appreciate you taking the time here. Um, uh, where can people go to learn more about what you do and what you're up to, uh, the restaurant, all of that? Sure. Uh, I don't have a website. I, I'm, a, I'm a very bizarre marketer, uh, but I'm on every social media channel, uh, and it's just my name, Rev C. Ancio. And if you're like, I have no idea how to spell that, and I'm not able to write this down because I'm driving right now, uh, on Instagram, Instagram, I also run an account called Fun With Fries. It's the largest French fry-themed Instagram account in the world, and you can click through to Rev C. Ancio's Instagram right there. So Love it. Love find me on social media, man. That's the That's the easiest way. Great. Uh, I, do, we, we, I take up a lot of internet. I take up a lot of internet space on the social. So Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever you like, you'll find me. Love it. We'll include those links on there. Uh, perfect. Uh, last words of wisdom before we let you go. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I think people like to go high level here, but I'm going to make this easy. We talked about marketing and we went through lots of ideas and strategies. Dude, here's two tactics you should start today. Okay. I'll be very tactful. Number one, Manage your information on Google, Bing, Yahoo, Yelp, Foursquare, Facebook, City Search, Alexa, Amazon, all wherever your information lives. Manage that information because it helps the customer journey, and you'll come up higher in search. And the best tool to do that is a tool called Marquee. Right? Mm-hmm. You can go to Marquee directly. You can get it through my friends at Targetwell if you need other marketing services. It will automate the customer journey and make local search so much easier for restaurant. And it's less than a hundred bucks a month. Number one. Number two, I've said it twice in the show. I'll say it again. Email your guests every week. If you do nothing else, if you do those two things only, you will outperform a significant portion of your competitive set. Perfect. I think it's a great place to end it. Rev, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm super excited. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. See ya. So once again, I want to thank Rev for taking time out of his day to sit and chat with us. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. I hope you got a ton of value from this conversation. Rev is the real deal. I'm so glad our paths have crossed now numerous times, uh, and I'm thrilled to be able to bring him here onto the show with you. Again, all the links are in the show notes. I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to be here with me. Uh, Be well, take care, stay creative, and I will see you next time.